In the days of old, the number one category in the publishing industry was the how-to, and it probably still holds that position. Subjects included how to build your house, how to landscape your yard, how to bake and cook with all the recipes, how to raise your children, how to fix your marriage, how to retire a millionaire, how to be healthy, and so on. But can you imagine that the number one how-to book of all time is God's Holy Bible? This marvelous book was penned thousands of years ago, and all the how-to instructions for living are housed between its covers, even the formula for eternal life, a literal roadmap to the pearly gates. If I asked you how to get to heaven from here, what would be your answer? Go ahead. Put this feature on pause and write your answer down on a piece of paper. What did you write? If you wrote something other than to be born again or something that describes the same, then you failed the test. Jesus Christ declares the way in John chapter 3, verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Have you been born again? Born literally a second time, this time of the Spirit of God? Today, all your sin and shame can be expunged from your record as though you never sinned. And today, all of Satan's bondages, every single one, can be broken. God's Word, the ultimate how-to book, shows the way. Today can be your day of salvation. Click on the Further with Jesus right now for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now, for today's subject. God said, John 10, verse 10, "...the thief cometh not but for to steal." and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. God said, Psalms 91, verse 7, A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. God said, Psalms 22, verse 9, But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. Man said, according to R. Bozarth in The American Atheist, without a doubt, humans and civilization are in sore need of the intellectual cleanness and mental health of atheism. Now the record. About 48 years ago, God began to open my mind to the marvelous proofs found in His holy book. The scriptures have its hordes of mockers and critics, but God has the truth. I began to collect these exciting truths, and from that foundation developed the concept of God Said, Man Said. Approximately 18 years ago, God Said, Man Said first published on the World Wide Web with the intention to air a new, exciting proof of God's inerrant word every single week, miracles and all. I wondered, would it be 200, 300, or 500 when the revelations would end? Welcome to God Said, Man Said feature article 899 that will for the 899th time prove the inerrancy of God's holy word and there is no end to the revelation in sight. An official name for Jesus Christ found in Revelation 19.13 is the word of God. The word of God is the mind of Christ and therefore its resources are inexhaustible. This present series titled 
undeniable proof every jot and every tittle, is fashioned in the likeness of the original God Said, Man Said proof series, which participated in adding many souls to the kingdom. Here, in rapid fashion, we offer one marvelous God proof after another. We intend to take a respite from this rapid This present series, titled Undeniable Proof Every Jot and Every Tittle, is fashioned in the likeness of the original God Said, Man Said proof series, which participated in adding many souls to the kingdom. Here, in rapid fashion, we offer one marvelous God proof after another. We intend to take a respite from this rapid listing format when we reach the number 200, but be assured that there is no end in sight. Embrace the beautiful book. It is the anchor of our souls. The skeptics, the deniers, the blasphemers are all knocked on their uncircumcised ears. Proof number 125, Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 and John 10, 10. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love into good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as ye see the day approaching. John 10.10 The thief cometh not but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come, that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. A global scientific field study is underway, and the empirical data continues to pour in. The mystery to solve was, is the, is the majority text Holy Bible literally the written words of God, even a God who created all that is seen out of that which is invisible? Could it be true that every commandment and directive of God has inherent within it a blessing or a curse? Could it be true that because the principles of God are the truth, that obeying them yields the good fruits of doing the right thing, and disobeying yields the deadly fruits of doing the wrong thing. Could it be just that childlike simple? Is Jesus Christ correct when he says, obeying God's word will produce life and life more abundantly? The headline in the June 3, 2016 issue of the week reads, Health Benefits of Church. The headline from today.com reads, Going to church can help women be healthier, live longer. The headline from ChristianExaminer.com reads, Do churchgoers actually live longer? New study has surprising result. Hundreds of studies have been and are presently being conducted to ascertain whether there is any connection between religious faith and health. Some of the latest results are shocking to the unbelieving world. In 1999, the results of a study conducted by the University of Texas were published. 22,000 people were followed over a nine-year period. Those who attended church or synagogue more than once a week lived an average of eight years longer than those who didn't. Let me say it another way. Those who attended church more than once a week lived 2,920 days or 11% longer than those who didn't. The scientific field study goes on, and the empirical data keeps rolling in. From the week, issue June 3, 2016, excerpts from the feature Health Benefits of Church follow. 
People who attend religious services a couple of times a week may live longer, a new study suggests. Harvard University researchers analyzed data from the Nurses' Health Study, a survey of 74,534 healthy, primarily Christian women. At the start of the study in 1992, participants were asked how often they went to church. The researchers then tracked them for 20 years. By 2012, 13,537 of the women had died. After adjusting for other risk factors, it turned out that the ones who attended services more than once a week were 33% less likely to have died from any cause than those who never went at all. There is evidence that it provides social support, discourages smoking, decreases depression, and promotes optimism or hope. Study author Tyler Vanderweel tells MedicalDaily.com, end of quote. Proof number 126, Psalms 111, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments. His praise endureth forever. Years ago, while working in a prison ministry, the guard directed me to the glass cell where a young prisoner was under a suicide watch due to a previous suicide attempt. I engaged the teenager in conversation and told him he was not very wise, for had he succeeded in ending his life dying in his sins, he would have opened his eyes in hellfire and punishment that lasts forever. Instead, I informed him he, knew, he now had an opportunity be, to be wiser than Einstein. When one comes before God in fear and repentance and surrenders his life to Jesus Christ, he instantly becomes wiser. It is demonstrated in immediate life changes. He begins to make wise decisions. For example, he turns away from booze and dope as well as fornication and lying and other sinful behaviors, and begins to seek the face of God in earnest. Truly, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, even instantly. Proof number 127, John chapter 4, 5, and 6. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Nearly 4,000 years ago, God's word speaks of Jacob, the son of Isaac, and the grandson of Abraham. He is a man of history. Jacob's name was changed by God in Genesis 32:28 to Israel, which means, For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Jesus delivers the magnificent message of living water in John 4 at Jacob's well, which is located at Sychar, a city of Samaria. Jacob's well can be visited today, and you can drink from the well. Jacob's body is buried in the cave of Machpelah with Abraham and other saints of old. This cave is located in Hebron in Israel and can be visited this very day. The famous breed of Jacob's sheep still exist, and they are called just that. Jacob's sheep. The critics challenge in vain. This Jacob is a living part of history and had several documented encounters with angels, even wrestling with one and prevailing in it. Genesis 32, 22 through 32. 
Haley's reports, the well of Jacob, 100 feet deep and 9 feet in diameter, is one of the places in the life of Jesus Christ that can be identified with certainty and precision. It lies at the foot of Mount Gerizim, which was and still is the center of Samaritan worship. Recent archaeological excavations at the summit of Mount Gerizim have begun to uncover the remains of an ancient Samaritan temple, end of quote. Proof number 128, Psalms 91, 7 through 10. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Is this just one of what skeptics call biblical exaggerations? Or is this miraculous passage the literal truth? One example will suffice. The headline in the October 6, 2014 CBS Atlanta News release reads, CDC, 110 million Americans have STDs at any given time. A few paragraphs follow. While the national media's focus is on the Ebola outbreak in West Africa and the patient in Dallas, the CDC is reminding Americans that sexually transmitted diseases are an ongoing but hidden epidemic. In the United States, nearly 20 million cases of new STD infections are reported each year, reports Live Science. Since infections can persist for a long time, and because some victims are not even aware they have a disease, it can easily be spread to others. Based on data from 2008, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, the eight most common sexually transmitted diseases are chlamydia, gonorrhea, hepatitis B, genital herpes, HIV, human papillomavirus, syphilis, and trichomoniasis. About 50.5 million current infections are in men, while 59.5 million are in women, for a total of 110 million Americans with STDs at any given time. 50% of the new infections occur in young people from ages 15 through 24, and gonorrhea is the most commonly reported STD in that age group. New cases of STDs cost nearly $16 billion a year, and direct medical costs, according to the CDC, end of quote. Sexually transmitted diseases are a pandemic. Looking for proof that the God of the Bible is? Simply look at the results of disobeying His commandments. Those who obey God's Word will look to their left and right and see the plague of disobedience, but it will not come nigh thy dwelling. God's Word is the literal truth. Proof number 129, Jonah chapter 1, 15 through 17, and chapter 2, 1 through 10. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord and made vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed unto the Lord his God out of the fish's belly, and said, I cried by reason of mine affliction unto the Lord, and he heard me. Out of the belly of hell cried I, and thou heardest my voice. 
For thou hast cast me into the deep, in the midst of the seas, and the floods compassed me about. All thy billows and thy waves passed over me. Then I said, I am cast out of thy sight, yet I will look again toward thy holy temple. The waters compassed me about even to the soul. The depth closed me round about. The weeds were wrapped about my head. I went down to the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. Yet hast thou brought up my life from corruption, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came in unto thee, into thy holy temple. They that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice unto thee with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that thou hast that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. And the Lord spake unto the fish, and it vomited out Jonah upon the dry land. In regard to Jonah, it must be noted that uh, Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe, fully believed and testified of the record of Jonah, comparing it to the three days he himself would be in the tomb and his resurrection from the dead in Matthew chapter 12. It's a shame someone didn't tell the Christ, who was and is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, that Jonah was a fairy tale before he exposed his ignorance. Is the Bible correct? Could Jesus Christ be accurate? In the April 2005 issue of Smithsonian, in a story titled Evolution on Trial, which was about the famous Dayton, Tennessee Scopes trial that occurred in 1925, the author framed some of the cries of the Bible skeptics of that day. They challenged the time that the sun stood still in the days of Joshua and Hezekiah and the idea that Jonah lived for three days in the belly of the whale. The skeptics continued to whine, but God's word continues to reign undefeated. God sent Jonah to the heathen city of Nineveh, which was the famous capital of the ancient Assyrian Empire, 280 miles north of Babylon, and presently located in the country of Iraq. It was called the Robber City, because it obtained its great riches by conquering its neighbors and claiming their wealth. The Word of God declares that because of the preaching of Jonah, this entire wicked city repented from the king on down. Of course, the academic skeptics cry foul. Does secular history record such an event? G.C. Alders cites history reporting a sweeping religious reform in Nineveh at approximately the time of the preaching of Jonah. History records that the city turned monotheistic, which means they worshipped one god. These historians claim this one god was known by the Assyrians as Nebo, who was the one they claimed who invented the arts and sciences and understood all the mysteries connected with literature and the art of writing. The true God of creation, of course, created all such things. He's actually known as the Word. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Revelation chapter 19, verse 13 speaks of Christ, and he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. History reports a citywide turn to one God in the days of Jonah. History says yes to Jonah. Note, the Assyrians cast off all their gods to worship one. He is the God of the arts, that which is lovely, and of science, which is defined as knowledge, and of course, the God of words. Jesus is known in the book as the Alpha and the Omega, 
which is the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet, and as one expositor noted, all of the words in between. The following excerpt is found in the archaeological supplement in the Thompson Chain Reference Bible. Henry Austin Laird visited ruined Nineveh in 1845 and found the entire circuit of its wall area to be seven and one-half miles. Within the 1,800-acre enclosure were two mounds. The southern mound was 100 feet high, covered 40 acres, and was known by the natives as Nebai Yunus, which means the prophet Jonah. The north mound was 90 feet high, covered 100 acres, and was called Kunyajik, which means the castle of Nineveh. The city had two colossal mounts, one in the south, known by the people of Nineveh, as Nebai Yunus, which means the prophet Jonah, and the mound in the north, known as the castle of Nineveh. Did a man named Jonah proclaim the word of God in Nineveh? Does the history of Nineveh revere a man named Jonah? Archaeology says absolutely yes, end quote. Proof number 130, Genesis 49, verse 25. Even by the God of thy father, who shall help thee, and by the Almighty, who shall bless thee with blessings of heaven above, blessings of the deep that lieth under, blessings of the breast and of the womb. Man said that baby formula concocted by science was equal to or even superior to mother's breast milk. Starting in the late 1940s, breastfeeding began to fall out of favor nationally. By the 1950s, infant formula gained widespread endorsement from the pediatric community, and breastfeeding for millions of children and mothers became a thing of the past. Fewer than half of American babies are fed exclusively breast milk during the initial stay at the hospital. When the infants reach the age of six months, only 19% received breast milk, and at the ripe old age of one year, only 2%. Now compare that with the global average of children being weaned from the breast at 4.2 years. The American Academy of Pediatrics now weighs in with the recommendation that for the baby's optimal health, a mother should breastfeed for at least a full year. The benefits of breastfeeding for mother and child are staggering. The list is long and ever-increasing. I found the following excerpt written by Dr. R.D. Russell especially exciting. It reads as follows. The cells in the mother's milk not only attack bacteria that may be harmful to the baby, but apparently they have the ability to produce antibodies that destroy bacteria and viruses as well. Evidently, the infant who is exposed to infections and nurses from its mother also produces changes in the mother's breast. Within hours, the next milk contains antibodies and immunoglobins to protect the baby before the infant exhibits visual symptoms. An article in the publication called Mothering points out that mother's milk has 400 nutrients that cannot be duplicated in the lab. Research suggests that breastfeeding reduces the risk of sudden infant death syndrome, childhood cancer, diarrheal diseases, lower respiratory illness, ear infections, bacterial infections, diabetes, infant botulism, Crohn's disease, uh, ulcerative colitis, and cavities. 
In May 2001, the Journal of the American Metal Association uh, cited two studies which reported that breastfeeding not only boosts babies' immune systems and brain power, but may also reduce the risk of being overweight. Harvard Medical School, in a study of 15,000 babies, found that newborns given formula were 20% more likely to be overweight in adolescents versus their breastfed counterparts. Imagine the following lead paragraph was found in an article in Discover magazine titled, Got Cancer? It reads as follows. When Katharina Svonberg and her research associates began mixing mother's milk and cancer cells together seven years ago, she wasn't looking for a cure for cancer. She was after a way to fight germs. Nevertheless, the physician and immunologist at Lund University in Sweden has discovered that a previously taken-for-granted component of ordinary human breast milk compels cancer cells, every type of cancer cell tested, to die. End of quote. God-proof after God-proof, yet Satan's champions are willfully ignorant. They shout, show me the truth. What they really want is validation of their evil ways. Turn away from disobedience while there is still time. To the blood-bought, the glorious beauty of God's word is truly exhilarating. Embrace Christ and live. God said, John 10.10, The thief cometh not but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. God said, Psalms 91, verse 7, A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. God said, Psalms 22, verse 9, But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. Man said, according to R. Bozarth in The American Atheist, Without a doubt, Humans and civilization are in sore need of the intellectual cleanness and mental health of atheism. Now you have the record.